Coming up, a treasured letter from Brian Clough. I mean, my dad always said he was the best centre forward he'd ever seen and obviously the greatest manager that there's ever been. And my dad had wrote him a letter when he got injured at Sunderland. You know, he suffered with that really bad injury, asking him if he was okay and how his leg was coming on, etc. And Brian Clough wrote this letter back to my dad. And memories of a momentous match. It was a sold-out crowd. It felt so much more like it was just an outpouring of emotion for people wanting to show Brian Clough what he meant to them. If you don't see me after half-time, it means you've, you've been bloody rubbish. And if you're not rubbish today, that'll be a change. Welcome along to the Green Jumper pod. I'm Marcus Alton, the editor of the tribute website brianclough.com. And in this episode, you'll hear from two guests. One of them is a Cloughy fan who joined Brian on the pitch at his final home league match. But before that, it's the story of a personal letter written by Cloughy some 50 years ago to a fan in the North East. To explain the background is Middlesbrough supporter Sam Moore. It was her dad, Trevor, who received the letter all those years ago. Sadly, Trevor passed away in 2019. But Sam has kept the letter safe and told me how it all came about. Well, my granddad was quite a big standing man in the community at the time. He was a Middlesbrough um, councillor and he was also on the board of directors at Middlesbrough Football Club. And somehow there was a connection between um, Brian's mum and dad. I think that's how the connection came about. And of course, my dad was brought up on Essen Park Road. So that's where the football stadium obviously is, uh, the old Essen Park. And um, my granddad had spoken to Brian Estains and said to him, look, Trevor, I'd love to meet you. Um, you know, he's absolutely in awe of you. And uh, apparently he'd called round to see my dad and he was out playing football, not professional football, just kicking around with his mates. But And, and my dad always said, it's just my luck that Brian Clough would pop round to see me and I'd be out. And, um, and of course, from there, um, my dad had wrote him a letter when he got injured at Sunderland. Um, you know, he suffered with that really bad injury, asking him if he was okay and how his leg was coming on, etc. And Brian Clough wrote this letter back to my dad and... Obviously, he's treasured it all his life, and we've ended up with it now. So, and your dad was obviously a big Middlesbrough fan. Wanted to get get back in touch with Brian. How did he feel about getting a what is a, a personal letter from Cluffy, which was all typed out and personally signed? Uh, he was just he's absolutely over the moon, and he's like I say, he's treasured it all his life. I mean, I can't count the number of times that we've gone round and he's got this letter round and said, have you seen this letter from the Brian Clough, you know, wrote to me and we've seen it a million times, but it was like the first time he was showing you every time. So, yeah, he's loved it. He's fixed it in one of uh, Brian Clough's autobiographies. So it's it's in the front of the book and that's where it stayed. And uh, so now I've got the book and the letter. Have you got the letter there with you? I have, yeah. 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 Could you read us a, a little bit of it, please? Yeah, I can. Yeah. It's from an address in Sunderland um, on the 7th of February, 1963. And it says, Dear Trevor, thank you very much for your letter. It was kind of you to write to me. Um, I remember coming round to see you, but it doesn't seem as long ago as two and a half years. My injury is coming along fine, but I still have my leg in plaster. I hope it won't be too long before I'm playing football again. Give my regards to your father. Yours sincerely, Brian Clough. So, 
Yeah, so he's uh, <laughs> obviously when he was injured and um, and it was obviously when he was playing for Middlesbrough, he'd previously been to visit my dad. Yeah, yeah. It was a career-ending um, injury for Cluffy, of course, which led to the fantastic yeah. managerial career. Um, mm-hmm. How did your dad feel about how things panned out in the end? Because I know some Middlesbrough fans wish that uh, Brian had been manager of Middlesbrough. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I just think, I mean, my dad always said he was the best centre-forward he'd ever seen and obviously the greatest manager that there's ever been. And, I mean, you have to agree. I mean, I've, I've watched a lot more footage of Brian now since my dad's passed away, obviously, because I know how much um, my dad, you know, loved him and stuff. And and you know, when you watch it, you can see it's, it's hard to believe what he pulled off really, isn't it? when you think about it and I don't think anybody will ever do it again I think it was just a one-off we'll never see but yeah he 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 just thought he was fantastic but not only that I think what he loved about him as well was the character same as so many people he was just such a massive personality and obviously made great viewing with his controversial uh, views and quite outspoken and stuff so yeah he liked that side of him as well I bet he couldn't believe that obviously going back all those years Clough had actually been to his house to visit him and he was out he must have been so frustrated about that I know I know he, he always said it just that's my luck it could only happen to me you know <laughs> that he would be out when he called to see him because um, he did idolise him and, and, and as a boy he used to stay back at Ayrson Park and you know wait for autographs and stuff and he'd he'd, he'd obviously um, met Cluffy before but never been obviously introduced to it and he used to always tell us this um, story about this one time when he was he was waiting for autographs and uh, there was this young boy there and it was, there was like loads of people around him and he, he was saying, Cluffy, Cluffy, yeah, you know, and did he turned around and he said, he just pointed at him and he said, it's Mr. Cluff to you, young man. And he said it was just typical Cluffy, you know. Yes. Um, and he used to tell us that story, he just said, and the little boy just went, Phew. <laughs> so, yeah. so he had met him but not um not been introduced to him but obviously the letter meant a huge amount to him and it must mean a huge amount to you now um since your dad passed away yeah i mean i'm a big borough fan myself and um i go to the away matches and the home matches and i think it for me is where i feel closest to my dad um when i'm at the matches because obviously i knew how much he loved the borough and what have you and it's strange because just after he passed away, um, it was a few days after I'd already bought my ticket to go and see the Borough play Nottingham Forest away. And I can remember someone saying to me, are you, are you going to go, Sam? Are you still going to go? And I said, yeah, I'm going because I know that's what he'd want me to do. And um, I'd never seen the footage of um, Cluffy that they play on the screens at the city ground um, before the teams come out. And I'm not joking, my hair was on end. Just It was just amazing. Just it, it was obviously at the time when he's, you know, winning all the European Cups and things like that. And my hair was stood on end. It was just very, very, very emotional that night. Just watching it, because I just knew how much, it, you know, it meant to my dad. And it was like, I actually felt my dad there that night. I thought it, it was like he was stood there with me, you know, so... Yeah, he, yeah. He, he was there in, in spirit, really, enjoying yeah, the atmosphere. Definitely. And I, I think he enjoyed the music as well. He would have done anyway. Well, he was a big Beatles fan. And, and of course, I didn't know as well that they played Mull of Kintyre when, they, when the teams were on the pitch. So it was a bit of a double whammy. But yeah, very emotional night. 
something that I wouldn't forget. And you're keeping that memory going, aren't you now? Because you run a dance school and you've come up with this idea of a a musical production to reflect your dad's life. And does that include the the, the letter? It does. Uh, We've actually had to change the title of the musical. Um, It was originally just called Trevor the Musical. Um, But then we've had some information that there has been a Trevor the Musical on Broadway, debuted about five or six years ago, which I didn't know anything about. Um, So we've changed the name now to Our Trevor, which I think sounds better. It's more meant to be because I think it's more like how we talk in this area and stuff. And all the way through the musical, he's referred to as Our Trevor. So I I think it sounds better. Um, And it's going to Middlesbrough Little Theatre in May 2022. And the letter is in the first scene. So you do see that. The second half of the musical is pure fantasy. And Brian Clough does, well, he doesn't make an appearance, but you hear his voice. Um, so I think that's quite apt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, then it goes back to reality at, at the end. So, But it focuses very heavily on Middlesbrough and about my dad's life when he was a teenager growing up. And just there was a lot of conflict going on in the house at the time between his parents, their relationships coming to an end. And also the Beatles had just burst onto the scene and my dad was just in awe of them and had his hair cut like them and wore all the gear. And of course, my granddad didn't approve of it. So there was a lot of conflict going on there. Um, so, yeah, so that's basically it. And it's got quite a powerful message at the end as well. Um it's sort of portraying the message that it's not just about materialistic things in life and who you are. And it's my dad had the ambition that he wanted to be a family man um, and just have a wonderful wife and wonderful kids. And and he succeeded. So and I'm sure that's more important. Yes. And an incredible daughter, really, who's put his life in a theatre production, which is, which is absolutely uh, a wonderful tribute. And, uh, and thank you for talking about that treasured letter as well. And uh, I hope you keep it safe. Yeah. And if you can come and watch the musical, I'd love you to uh, be able to come and watch it. So I'll send you some tickets. Yeah. And Brian's family. Yes, I'd love to. Yeah. And I'd love to bring it to Nottingham, actually. Um, I have actually thought about it bringing it to Nottingham and uh, Derby, if possible, once we've run at Middlesbrough and Darlington. So it yes. would be great if we could. Well, of yeah. course, there, there was the um, the play, The uh, Spirit of the Man, Old Big Ed in, in The Spirit of the Man, um, <laughs> that, that um, started in Nottingham and then toured the whole country shortly, right. um, shortly after he died. Yeah. So, it, yes, if you can follow in the footsteps of that, uh, that'll, that would be wonderful. But it, it sounds a, a fantastic show and a fantastic tribute. So all the best with it. Thank you very much. And thank you for inviting me. It's been an absolute honour. Thank you. And you can see a copy of that letter on the tribute website brianclough.com and our Facebook page, Brian Howard Clough. And talking of Facebook, it was really great to receive a message from Ipswich Town fan Jeff Poole. He got in touch because he says he had the privilege of seeing Brian Clough's last league game as manager. He said there was a, a carnival atmosphere at Portman Road back on that afternoon in May 1993, but there was a, a real sense of occasion too. He says when the team coach arrived at the ground, Cluffy got absolutely mobbed. 
And come to think of it, there's a great photo of him on the, the steps of the bus with loads of fans wishing him well. Uh, Jeff goes on to recall that uh, there was a lot of respect between both sets of supporters that day and the police presented him with a cake. I remember that the uh, Ipswich town manager John Lyle presented Cluffy with a, a silver salver as well. That's one of the memories I've included in my uh, best-selling book, Brian Clough, 50 Defining Fixtures. thought I'd get that in there, which you can buy with a discount on the website and I'll personally sign it to you as well. Jeff signs off by saying he'll always be an admirer of Brian Clough and describes his interviews as fascinating, always interesting and often entertaining. He talked so much sense, says Jeff. I think we'll all agree with that. He says he would love to have met and spent time with Brian. And he sends his thanks for helping to keep Brian Clough's memory alive. Great to hear from you, Jeff. And if you have any Cluffy memories you'd like to share, just send me an email. The address is youngman at brianclough.com. Hello, Paul Hart here. You're listening to the Green Jumper podcast with Marcus Alton. Now then, my next guest also has memories of Brian's final month as a manager, and he was part of the small group which raised the money for the bronze statue of Cluffy in Nottingham. I've been talking to author Rich Fisher, and we began by remembering another match 30 years ago, the FA Cup final in May 1991, when Brian Clough walked out onto the Wembley pitch hand-in-hand with the Spurs boss Terry Venables. Rich was there and recalls an amazing atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was absolutely incredible. I mean, we, we'd actually travelled down on a double-decker green Nottingham City transport bus, which I'm not quite sure how that arrangement came about. I remember it leaving from the old ice stadium. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I just remember it being a sea of... Uh, we had it, the, in the old Wembley, the, the tunnel end, so we were the end where the teams came out. And as you say, uh, Clough hand-in-hand with his Tottenham counterpart, Terry Venables. And, and I just remember it being a sea of red and white and just incredible noise. Obviously, the teams did the kind of lineup, and it was obviously Princess Diana that day who did the sort of meet and greet representing the royal family. And yeah, it just, it really did feel like a big occasion. And, and, and but yeah, and then the game started and it kind of went downhill from there, really. <laughs> Although not initially, they had a good start, so. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, as the man who wrote the uh, the book, The Church of Stuart Pearce, uh, about Forest fans' trials and tribulations, it was Pearce who scored that fantastic free kick. And at that point, it looked like the cup might be going Cluffy's way. Well, yeah, it, obviously, it's, I think it's a game Forest fans of a certain age will have looked back on and reflected on endlessly. I mean, for me, I think it was one of those games where it was just all going a bit too well. I guess the one thing people always talk about is, you know, the whole the refereeing around Paul Gascoigne, who probably should have had not one but two red cards, if that's possible. I mean, two sort of assault-like tackles. Uh, uh, obviously, the second one... There was, he, he did go off injured himself as a result of it. So I suppose you could say that was good fortune in that it took arguably Spurs, Spurs' most influential player out of the game. But Forrest took an early lead. I mean, arguably that goal shouldn't have stood because, uh, uh, say, Stuart Pearce, as you say, stuck the free kick in. But that was largely aided by Lee Glover shoving half the Tottenham wall over. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so Forest go ahead with an arguably disputable goal. Tottenham lose their best player. Um, I think there was a Spurs goal disallowed that probably should have stood. We we also saved a penalty. So yeah, in some ways, it was almost going a little bit too well. And yeah, it's obviously then just unravelled in the second half when they got an equaliser. And then, of course, there was the unfortunate Des Walker own goal that won it for Spurs in extra time. Um, but yeah, Wait. I don't know. I feel a bit emotion, emotional reliving it in my head actually I, now. But. I know, I know. It was it was unbelievable, really, at, at the time. And and w- were you surprised that Cluffy didn't go on the pitch to speak face to face with the players before extra time? Um, I mean, he he said in later years he he didn't want to to um, sort of muddy the waters and confuse them. Just let them get on with things. Do, do you think they would have benefited from him? going on the pitch? Um, It's hard to say. I mean, it's funny. At the time, in the stadium, we weren't aware of that. I mean, because we were... At Wembley, there was the old sort of running track around the pitch, so you you were quite far away from the pitch. And I think, actually, I'd legged it down to go to the toilet. So, yeah, which was never a pleasant experience at the old (laughs) Wembley, you know. No. uh, It was probably the uh, best time to go, yes. Yeah. Well, probably the worst time to go when people have been in the stadium for three hours and it's ankle deep. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, that, certainly, obviously, that's an incident that's talked about a lot when people, Forest fans, look back on that game. But, yeah, completely bypassing it at the time because I just had literally legged it to the toilet to, you know, so I could get back to my seat and not miss any of the actual game. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where it could have gone either way. If Forest had gone on to win that game in extra time, people would have just said, you know, that's another piece of masterful Brian Clough man management. Um, but clearly it just didn't work that time. Well, it was um, a couple of years later that he actually retired. Uh, and you were there for his final home league match versus Sheffield United. Again, an incredible atmosphere d- despite the bad end to the season. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, the build-up to that game, I mean, Forrest, um, it was Forrest's second to last game of that season and if if I remember rightly they needed to win and have other results go their way to still be in with a chance of staying up and so you know it was a massive game and then as if it wasn't already a massive game it was announced in the week running up to it that Brian Clough was uh, would be leaving Forest at the end of the season I mean the atmosphere was I've never known anything like it before or since it uh, it almost the fact that Forest were potentially going to be relegated almost suddenly felt like an irrelevance. Uh, you know, it was a sold out crowd. It felt so much more like it was just an outpouring of emotion for people wanting to show Brian Clough what he meant to them. And obviously, he'd been at the club for over eighteen years by this point. The match it was a pretty poor Forest performance from which. Probably no surprise because Forrest had been poor for the whole season and they lost 2-0. And we're all stood there in, in the stadium knowing Forrest were getting relegated. And yet all everybody was doing was singing Brian Clough's name. And it was a really weird, emotional day. And did you try and get on the pitch at the end? Because there was a huge crowd, wasn't there, that surged onto the pitch and, and tried to surround Cluffy uh, right at the end. I did, I did, I did get on the pitch uh, and actually got, I was probably one of the first hundred or so people on actually, and I got quite, quite near to him. I actually got uh, a couple of really good photos. I, I used to, 
I mean, it's funny, actually. I used to get, people used to uh, always go, why have you brought your camera with you? Which is funny when you think now that, you know, people take photographs of absolutely everything. But yeah, I used to often take a camera with me to match. So I've got quite a good sort of archive of sort of pictures of forest games and forest away trips from that era. I'd actually stood in the old Trent end that day. It wasn't where I norm- I'd normally had a seat in the, uh, what's now the Brian Clough stand and was back then still known as the executive stand. But that game was potentially going to be the last time anyone would get to stand in the old Trent end because the club had announced plans to bulldoze it in the summer uh, to build a, a new stand, which of course they did eventually do. The fact that they got relegated, it kind of delayed those plans for a year. So actually it, I could have just sat in a normal seat and still had the opportunity to enjoy the Trenton. But yeah, I was in the Trenton that day and uh, after the full-time whistle and everybody, all the players had gone in and everybody in the middle of the Trenton in that, in that sort of central pen just stayed behind. And I think there was this idea that, you know, Brian Cliff might come out and there might be a chance to sort of bid him farewell again. Uh, and yeah, about probably about 20 minutes after full-time, you know, most of the rest of the ground was empty. He... I mean, I don't know if he'd like been told that there were still there were people who were refusing to leave until he kind of showed himself. But yeah, he he just sort of came walking out of the tunnel on his own, in, obviously in his famous green sweatshirt, uh, and that was it. Everyone just sort of you know, it was it, there was only going to be one outcome to that. Everyone just piled on the pitch, and it's the same. I was there with my my brother and a couple of our friends, and uh, we got quite near to him before he was just almost sort of swallowed up in this sea of people. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was really emotional. And, you know, for me, I was, I was a teenager at the time and I'd, Brian Clough as forest manager was all I'd known, you know, and anyone sort of of my age will say the same. He was so much more than just forest manager. He was just this iconic figure in our city. And this idea that, he wasn't going to be forest manager anymore. It was just mind blowing, really. It was hard to imagine where forest were going to go without him, really. Um, so yeah, a really sad, bittersweet day. Um, you look back at some of the grief Arsene Wenger got off Arsenal fans when he had the audacity to only manage to finish like fourth or fifth, having having achieved such wonderful things with with Arsenal in in his time there. And yet you've got Forest fans who were sort of almost forgiving a manager of relegation but out of sheer love for what he'd done in his 18 years. It was incredible, really. Yeah, and that, that sheer love uh, also manifested itself in the statue in Nottingham. You were part of the, the fundraising team for Nottingham's Cluffy statue, uh, and it's in- included in your book about the the ups and downs of being a Forest fan. But l- looking back, you were like the Bob Geldof of the the statue committee because forget Live Aid, you organised Clough Aid. <laughs> yeah, I think I look a bit like Bob Geldof with my lockdown hair. Um, so uh, recording this as we are just before I'm able to get into the hairdresser. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously the, the statue was how you and I met, really, wasn't it? Um, That's right, uh, yeah. When it had been decided that there should be a statue, I kind of got roped in because I was writing for one of the a forest fanzine that existed at the time. And I think I was sort of seen as being somebody who might potentially be useful at kind of tapping into the forest fan base. And, uh, and yeah, and I just kind of threw myself in, as we all did. And 
being somebody who probably my two passions in life are forest and music the one element of all the different things we did to raise the money that I look back on probably with the most fondness is was Clough Aid um most of the credit has to go to a lad called Dave Marmion who I'm still in touch with he's a really good guy um at the time he was a singer for a band who used to play around bars and pubs in Nottingham called the Fakers and uh Dave got in touch saying you know we've heard you raising money for a statue I'm in a band I'm a forest fan I'd love to help and uh could we organize a gig or something and so yeah we, we had lots of conversations and I threw in ideas but he was the one who kind of did things like securing the venue getting various other bands involved and and my side of it was just sort of pulling it all together under our kind of Brian Clough Statue Fund brand and helping get word out to the media. And it was a really successful night. We got uh, John McGovern, the, who was the, obviously the captain of uh, Forest's two European Cup winning teams to come down and be compare on the night because he's a, a big music fan himself. I mean, it's, I think it's one of those things when you put on an event, you're always worried no one's going to turn up. Um, especially as the timing of this, it was about, it was like a Friday night about 10 days before Christmas. And you think, well, probably half of Nottingham is going to be out on its works Christmas do that night. But yes. yeah, we, we, we filled the rescue rooms and uh, made, I can't remember the exact figures, but I'm sure it was over 2000 quid, which, you know, for a statue that costs uh, in the region of 70,000, that's quite a, a decent chunk really. And, and I think it was that that got us pretty much hooked because we were closing in on that 70,000, or was it 60,000? Again, it's so long ago, Marcus. Yeah, <laughs> I think the original target was 60, and then it got up to uh, it got up to around 70 in the end, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I remember we were closing in on the target, and I think it was the Clough Aid gig that kind of pretty much got us within touching distance. And, and so, yeah, it felt like a really triumphant evening. Yeah. Um, and I think there was a message... Um, John McGovern read from Barbara, um, Brian's widow, which uh, was quite emotional as well, thanking everyone for all their efforts. Um, so, yeah, some, some marvellous memories from, from, from that event. But when you look at the statue now, Rich, how proud do you feel, you know, that it's now admired worldwide, really? I, I mean, I, I always, I mean, I don't get, I've not been into Nottingham City Centre much in the last year. Um, whenever I do go into town, I, or for whatever reason, I always make a point of going for a little walk past it. And yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, I suppose with anything, you throw yourself into raising money for something. You don't really think about kind of how pe- how it's going to be perceived in 10, 15 years time. I mean, it's been there for what, it'll be 13 years this year, which again, that just seems crazy. Um, I think, yeah, you just get so immersed in the actual doing the do that you you don't really think much beyond that. But yeah, I mean, I think it, it has become such an established and well-loved landmark. And it, there's been, you only have to sort of stick Clough statue into Twitter and so many different people, Forest fans or otherwise, will tweet pictures of it and, and, and say really complimentary things. And uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's it's definitely something I'm really proud of. And, you know, the fact that, you know, it's, it's a bronze statue, it, it's probably going to outlive me and still be there in a hundred years time. And I just think that's a great thing to be able to say you played a small part in. 
definitely well well done again to you and of course the the rest of the team behind it and uh yeah so, some really great memories of those fundraising days rich fisher thanks very much for joining us today it's been really good to catch up with you great stuff thank you that's no, been great And thanks to you for taking the time to listen. There were certainly some emotional stories there recalled by both Sam Moore and Rich Fisher. And if you go onto the Tribute website, you'll see a photo that Rich took of Brian on the pitch at that final home league match and the letter that Brian sent to Sam's dad. Remember, you can share your thoughts and stories by emailing me. It's youngman at brianclough.com. I hope you can join me again soon when we'll share some more memories of the great man in the green jumper.